Welcome to the Liberal Sherpa Podcast. I'm Kathy Aru, known as the Liberal Sherpa. And today I try to do topics that are on everyone's mind, trending topics. And Trump's legal team seems to be trending because of their uh, their tweets, their press conferences at the Four Seasons Landscaping Company, things like that. And um, Rudy Giuliani um, sweating. Uh, And Politico just put out an article that says pro-Trump legal crusade peppered with bizarre blunders. And I'm going to have a clip played. My producer is going to play a clip now of one of the star witnesses that many people think uh, was a SNL skit. The girl you never want to meet at a party played by Cicely Strong. As a matter of fact, Cicely Strong was trending on Twitter because of this woman's testimony about voter fraud in Michigan. So I am, I asked a lawyer to come on, a former prosecutor to come on the show today. And because he's one of my sources, he doesn't give his name. He doesn't want to give his name on air, but that's why he's able to be so candid and honest and let you know exactly what it means to be a lawyer on the president's team, what they are allowed to say, what they're allowed to tweet, what they're not allowed to do, and what rules apply to being a lawyer for the Trump team. So is it anything goes? Is is there a rule book? I know I have a rule book for my professions as a journalist and a teacher. What are lawyers allowed to do? And uh, yeah, I, I just asked him uh, to come on the show and talk about it. And if you want to sit back, come back to this, uh, it might, it's going to be candid, raw, unfiltered. So it might be 10 minutes, it might be two hours. But please enjoy the testimony from Melissa, I think, Caroni, Caron, the woman you wish you had never met at a party, for those of you who know Cicely Strong from SNL. So here's a short clip from her testimony in Michigan. The, the, poll book, the poll book is completely off. Completely off. Off that by 30,000? I'd say that poll book is off by over 100,000. That poll book? Why don't you look at the registered voters on there? How many registered voters are on there? Did you Do you even know the answer to that? No, no I guess it's, I'm trying to get to the bottom zero. of this here. Zero. There's zero. So my question then... Is if the yes? How many? Wait. What about what about how what what, what about the turnout rate? A hundred and twenty percent. Let's uh, let's let Representative Johnson ask his plastic question. <laughs> so the poll book number. Okay, there, there's two things that could happen here. Either the poll book number, if, if ballots were counted multiple multiple times, there, there's two options. Option number one is that the poll book numbers are not going to match. They the, don't. The actual. Not by thousands and thousands of votes. That's not what we see right now. You that, take a look again. One. Take a look again. Option number two is that they essentially were were filling in names of people who didn't vote. That, Dead that, people too. So is that? Let's I guess, let is that Representative Johnson ask his question, and then when I he's thought that done, was his answer. Okay. Well, I guess uh, that's well, my my question here is why we're not seeing the poll book off by thirty thousand votes. That that's not the what case. What did you guys do? Take it and uh, do something crazy to it. I'm just saying the numbers are not off by 30,000 votes. So I know what I saw. That they're filling in I know what votes? I saw, and I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Okay. Did you? Okay, we're, we're, 
I think, I'm just trying I to ask you a me, uh, legitimate question here. Yeah, let's let Representative Johnson ask his question, and then don't interrupt him. And then, okay. and then if you want to respond to it, that's fine. And, uh, did you have more, Representative? Yeah, I guess I just want to keep following back up with the poll book. So are we saying that the poll book is either wildly off or that they are, that they are filling in names? It's wildly off, and dead people voted, and uh, illegals voted. Okay. So that's my uh, answer. I think Okay, so uh, I hope you enjoyed that clip from the star witness on the voter fraud case uh, in Michigan specifically. And uh, by the way, those were Republican lawmakers she was arguing with. And uh, those were the ones asking the questions. They were Republicans. So, okay, let me get, let's take a quick break so I can get my source on the phone to ask, what are lawyers allowed to tweet, say, and do during um, during these times to prove voter fraud for the president of the United States. Um, okay, we'll be right back. Uh, give me a second. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now we're recording. So this is great. Okay, so Todd, you don't have to give your last name because I don't know if you want to go on the record or not. I have a lot of anonymous sources who are, you know, smart people, but some don't want to be known as a uh, liberal Sherpa source, you know, some don't want to be seen with me. Uh, you know, like if you don't want to say, you, if you want to tell people you don't know me, that's okay. I, I, I don't take anything personally, but honestly, from, from my perspective, I, 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 at 51 years old, I've, I've long since forgotten what I think about people thinking about me. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and sadly my social media presence is not necessarily, um, uh, the uh, the most pleasant thing to read at times, as oh. my family will will attest to. Oh no! So, oh no! Um, Are you out of control? You know, that's fine. Okay. Well, no. If you want, so let me know how to like. How should I introduce you? Because my questions came to you as uh, as a, a, a I guess a lawyer, a prosecutor, right? Um, right. So so I was I was a child abuse prosecutor um, in the mid nineties in Miami. Uh, I have not practiced law since 1999, okay. um, simply because of burnout from doing what I did. They, but, they threw you, know, you out? What? They threw you out? Oh, no, no. I, I, I got burned out. Oh, burned out. I got thrown out. I was like, oh, oh wow, no, they no, actually got, showed got, you the I door. Got, I got burned. I mean, I was only handing child abuse. It was rough. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I, I mean, that's that's awful. Those are Those are awful situations i can't well, imagine you know, it's why it's why i get so bothered when people accuse biden of being a pedophile without any real justification or proof because it's so offensive to actual victims of child abuse or sexual abuse yeah to equate him with a pedophile when he's not um yeah and, based and, you know, on photos based on some photos of uh, I, I mean, I, I just see it as a relative, like when you, you know, I've done it before. You go in for a photo and it's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to touch your stomach. You know, you're like, right? Like we all. Right. But, but, he, but even still, it just doesn't rise to the level right. of what a pedophile is. Mm. And the fact that people are so um, apt, you know, who are obviously Trump supporters who are, who are apt to just take what they can to belittle Biden or throw him into the bus or, or 
take liberties with what he's done and equate him with the pedophile it's, it's it's disgusting but it goes back to why I stopped prosecuting because I couldn't deal with the defense attorneys who would do anything and everything they could to ensure their clients get off and not see the forest for the trees how, was, did, how did you uh, so so yeah so so it got to the point so you and I kind of met we e-met um like uh, a year ago two years ago maybe three um just kind of met after I did a segment and um, I, I think I think you flattered me, you know, like and flattery does charge these batteries, by the way. So I think you okay. said something nice. And I was like, oh, thank you. No, I think you said something like you, you let your girls know that you're like proud that I said something pro woman, even though everyone else yelled at me on the panel, I think. Like that's well, you know, I, I think yeah, I think what it, what it is, is is it's important, especially in this day and age, no matter what women do it's still looked at and viewed differently in terms of people's perception of you know a woman that stands up for something and is quote-unquote aggressive um is uh is considered a bitch right uh, yeah whereas a man who does it is um awesome just considered a guy who's strong strong and listen like you my wife is cuban so, oh, you're married to a Cuban. I'm so sorry. I, I was and, and not she aware. Is, she is a strong, yeah. um, capable, successful woman. She's an elementary school principal. Oh, yes, Mio. And she's raising our girls to be strong women who won't take shit from people. <laughs> that sounds Cuban to me. Yeah, and oh. so I, I take a lot of pride with either strangers or, or friends or family who are female who just don't take shit. <laughs> so you're living with three guanas, of course. Uh, you're... Yeah, well, exactly. You know, and, and to take it to a step further, I'm one of 25 births on my mom's side of the family. My dad's an only child and I have a sister. Yeah. So my mom's side of the family in three generations, 25 births. Do you know how many men there are? How many? One. Oh, my God. No wonder you 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 respect women. You have no choice. Well, I'm fear. <laughs> I know you're you're afraid right now. So I like fear that. Fear drives everything, right? Fear yeah, right. Drives, drives so much, but really, it's it's more a function of the fact that I was raised by pretty strong women, and I'm married to one, and I have two, you know, young ladies, nineteen and almost seventeen. And guanitas. Those are guanitas. Yeah, no, you raise two little Cubans, forget it. You know what strong is. It, yeah, it, I do. Yeah, I yeah. Do. I, and I, so, oh, that's awesome. And so, when I, so, so I, you know, I, I think there's, there's two things that drive it, right? On the one hand, it's any, any female that's taking empowerment um, and not taking shit is fantastic. <laughs> but in this day and age, in this sort of divisive, political world that we're living in, which is unlike anything we've seen in generations, um, I, I really can't stand the rhetoric, the rhetoric of the right. I can't. It drives me crazy. But, okay, it, okay, so then, uh, so then that goes into um, what we actually, what led to today, I said, I want to, I just want to, I want to talk to you, I want to interview you on the record, because I don't understand, I am certified teacher where people don't understand what that means they're like oh she should get out of the classroom that means my certification is up 
I keep right. it up. I take the classes. I do what it, I do what needs to be done so that if I have to teach Spanish, ESL, or English, I can walk into any classroom in Florida, New Jersey. Um, I don't think Georgia right now. I don't know if my certification's still up there, but I could teach. I, I follow the ethics and the rules of being a teacher, and I could teach K through 12 in certain subject areas. Um, and I keep my certification up because it means it's a higher standard. I don't let it lapse. Uh, so if I have to go back to the classroom and work, you know, those uh, 12 hour days and oh my God, it's like a hundred hours a week. I will do it because I, I value the education system and I want to know what's going on. I want to know what Betsy DeVos did. I want to know what Rahm Emanuel did. I want to know this no child left behind. I, I need to know what it's doing to my, you know, the classrooms, our classrooms. So if, if we complain about education, I want to know. Um, so, so I'm certified in education. It doesn't mean I'm in the classroom at the moment, but if, if I have to go back in to keep it up, I, I will, but I was just in. You can go in relatively seamlessly. Easily, you know that easily till, uh, 2023. I'm, I'm good right now because I, I just did a year, um, at high school level. I usually do urban high school ESL and the kids know, they, they don't have a problem with me. They see me on, on TV the night before. They don't have a problem at all. Uh, they see me on TV that morning at four in the morning and they see that I still have all the makeup on and they laugh like, you know, who gets less sleep than a teenager? Me. Um, but uh, the, the, the adults, the adults are the ones who have a problem with having a television person in the school. They think I'm there undercover to spy on them. And that's what happened in my last school district. They thought um, they thought I was there to spy and tattle on the school district and they didn't want me there. And I was like, wow, what are you guys doing in your classroom? I would welcome any national journalist to be in my school because I'd like to show off what I'm doing and how I'm helping children in the classroom. But they couldn't wait to get me out of there. So, uh, you know, whatever's happening in um, North Bergen, New Jersey, I don't know because I wasn't there to spy, so I don't know what they're up to. But they were really nervous to have me in their school. But the students were amazing. It's the adults that were paranoid. But also, well, the, adults are all, the, the adults in this day and age are always the problem with, in terms of parents because their expectations and teachers are yep. so out of whack um, and they're so myopic relative to how they view the educational experience just through the lens of a parent of a single child as opposed to looking at the big picture. And so they're typically motivated by how is this only impacting my child as opposed to what's the bigger picture for the school How's this impacting the staff? How's this impacting the administration? How's this impacting the other kids in the classroom? They don't care. If, if something goes wrong yep. uh, with their child, they're they're always pointing the finger at somebody else. Oh, I know. And, so, and the teachers themselves, though, which was sad because I was there to uh, with ESL students because I wanted to show them I learned English at six. And, yeah, I could be on your TV set. And, and that's what they said. If you could be on TV, why are you here? I said, because I love you guys the most. I'm on TV to show you that you could do whatever you want to do. So I learned English at six. So you guys can, I said, you guys can do whatever you want. I, 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 hopefully I'm representing that to you. So I love them because they got it. It's like, oh, okay, she's showing us there's hope after all for, you know, they didn't have air conditioning while the other kids who weren't in ESL had air conditioning. They were treated like subhuman in the school and it was really sad. And I fought for their rights, but um, but I, you know, National Fox doesn't care about a local, uh, uh, you know, school district. 
So I was never there to spy. I was there to take care of ESL kids and show them uh, your dreams can come true. Uh, so I, I love them, and I still mentor a lot of my students. I gave my cell phone out to all my students. Uh, so, so I'm still mentoring. I have seniors right now that, you know, I'm helping them uh, with college uh, application. Okay, so I had ethics as a teacher. Um, as a journalist, I have to go by ethics. I have to go by the AP style manual. I have to go by copyright uh, infringement laws. I have to go by uh, liable slander. Right. But then I asked you, how does a lawyer, a prosecutor get away with what I'm reading from Trump's legal team on social media. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but you know that there are no set in stone um, binding no. ethical rules no. as it relates specifically to social media. No, I do not know that at all. No. There, there, there's none. And so what happens is... With, with lawyers... lawyers with, lawyers are supposed to just follow sort of the basic model rules. What are um, what are they? What are your ethics as lawyers? So, so there's there's a there's a number of, of you know the ABA, the American Bar Association, has a model rule of professional conduct, and you know it talks about their representation, being competent, understanding, um, you know the case, the the having the skill, being able to prepare necessary you know the necessary requirements for representation. Um, it talks about being technologically competent now, nowadays based on, obviously, increased technology that obviously didn't exist 30 years ago. Um, it talks about attorney-client privilege, and you can't disclose certain information. I mean, there's a whole litany of things that talk about it. But then there's also the idea of the advertisement piece, right? And, you know, you look at... You, you look at some of the things that maybe Giuliani might be saying, and quite frankly, he's not advertising for anything because he's old, and I don't see too many people looking to have him represent him. But some of his younger attorneys yeah. who are out there who are clearly looking for an edge and to make a name for themselves, yeah. um, again, they're not violating anything relative to how they're comporting themselves from an advertising perspective. But, you know, you, you question the methodology in terms of what information they're conveying. And while, again, it's hard because there's no standardized rules for ethics as it pertains to social media. What about not social media? What about if they get in front of, um, you know, like uh, uh, they, they're invited to speak in front of 300 people at... Uh, you know, one of those nonprofit gatherings where they give an award to someone and they go up to a stage and they talk. Are there no, I, I can't say, there was a tweet put out, let's just say it. There was a tweet put out by Jenna Ellis, uh, one of Trump's lawyers, um, who I used to debate a lot on Fox. And uh, she put a tweet out that said, um, micro penis, I can't believe I'm saying this, by the way. Uh, as a teacher, I can't say this. I, I, I can't say this. Um, as a journalist, I can't just write this. My editor would kill me. But uh, this is a fact, so I could repeat this as a journalist. The the lawyer for Donald Trump put out micropenis syndrome sad. So yeah. what? Completely inappropriate. But um, what? Like, is there no ethics? Is that completely, completely inappropriate? 
So uh, there's a there's a section in the ABA, I, I think it's Section Eight under the Model Rules, that addresses or prohibits a lawyer from engaging in conduct that involves dishonesty, fraud, deceit, misrepresentation that they know or reasonably should know is harassment or discrimination, but it's based on a finite, narrow limit of protected characteristics. And what what she said about the person she said it about probably wouldn't fall into that, but it's just not appropriate. And And it's not appropriate given who she's representing. But the problem is who she's representing has lowered the bar so much relative to how we should conduct ourselves as a professional in a position like that, that nothing seems to be off limits anymore. And that's really the problem. I mean, this this is bigger than her or any of the other attorneys, and even Trump. This goes to the entire discourse that's going on right now in the American public, that people feel uh, emboldened to say and do whatever they want because the president does. So it doesn't surprise me that his attorney would tweet something like that. So his client, her client allowed, uh, so if the client is the one that allowed that tweet to go out and it's still out there, it's still up, yeah. uh, which I actually don't know because she ended up blocking me when I questioned it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, which I got, uh, I got some congratulations for being blocked by her, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, uh, if someone was saying they, they were blocked and they could no longer read her tweets, I said, no problem. So am I. It's okay. And I, and I got 70 congratulations or 74, which I thought was funny. It was a large number. Yeah. But, um, but I know her. I, I know her from before. So um, uh, I knew her. She used to talk a lot about constitutional law. Uh, but I don't think micropenis syndrome was part of what she talked about when we debated. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that Hamilton and Adams and Jefferson and Monroe weren't contemplating that term when they were writing the Constitution. No, I I, I, I read about John Adams. I read uh, the book, you know, and and he never he ne- he never put that in his diary, you know. Uh, he didn't write about that. But 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 again, it, but it goes it goes back to the bigger picture that that people again, really, truly feel emboldened to be able to say and do whatever they want um, simply because the purported moral leader uh, of the country isn't. And so, again, I'm not surprised when I see folks within his world uh, acting in a similar fashion to him. Okay, so 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 then, um, okay, so then, if I'm not I'm not a lawyer, I'm not Jenna Ellis, I'm not his lawyer. Am I allowed? Am I? I'm not allowed as a teacher or a journalist to say that. I know my rules from my industry. Is everyone allowed and emboldened? Are they allowed to talk that way to other people? Is that not? Um, is that not endangering other people's lives? That's why I sort of brought up the model rule. It's 8.4. That's why I brought that up in terms of the idea of saying things that are patently false and knowingly false. And obviously, you know, that's knowingly false. Um, well, we don't know. I mean, we don't know this person's, you know, does she know? Oh my God, you're right. Have they gone on a date? And oh God, oh my God, you're right. Uh, So, okay. Okay. But it's, it's, it's the idea of harassment discrimination right um, it's right isn't that bu- isn't that cyber bullying and, and the whole be best 
Because Melania tra- taught me to be best. Yes. I'm, I'm be- I, I ignored her. So. Oh, no, she told um, me to be best. So I'd be best. Hashtag be best. So yes. so if I have to be best, that's not be best at all. Right? No. So that's harassment. So then what what happens then when you have a, um, a high-profile lawyer saying that? Is that not then does it can that person not turn around and say um, that's harassment? I mean, what, what so do... it, 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 de- it depends on who the person is. So basically, it was a public figure. It was a public figure. It has to be on the basis of race. Hold on, let me think. Race, sex, religion, national origin, ethnicity, disability, age, sexual orientation gender identity, marital or socioeconomic stand, status as it relates to the practice of law. I, I think a this class? Is what she, they have to belong to a class in order to be able to defend I themselves? I think it falls outside the purview of that. That's how I would read it. But it really, nonetheless, is just wholly inappropriate to do and say and treat. But again, the problem is there's no real regulation anymore, and the and the world we're living in now doesn't seem to care. And that's the problem, right? Is that we're we're in a time and place where, you know, I've had situations where you know people will say to me, "Well, you know, why did you say that? Like, you shouldn't do that or say that based on you know your opinion relative to somebody's intellect or their moral clarity." And my point always is, how is it that a Trump supporter, as an example, gets offended when you call them out and question their sense of morality when the person they're defending, unabashedly, by the way, consistently does that every day? So the hypocrisy around it is stunning to me. And this Janelle, her hypocrisy is mind-blowing. That how you go from being so anti-Trump, uh, uh, everything across the board, who he is as a person, who he is as a politician, who he is as a conservative, to then turning around and being a massive blind supporter. I don't see how you can do that. And this goes back to, and I'll give you an example just from my own personal experience. Yeah. When I decided not to prosecute anymore, everybody said, well, you know, you could just become a defense attorney. I said, I can't do that. I can't turn on a dime for my own benefit because I it, it it's not who I am as a person. Like I can't go from defending or or in the, most of the time prosecuting parents and other relatives and other adults who have harmed a child to defending them. It's just not how I'm wired. Oh, that's what that now, would mean. That's what that and, means. And, I, see, I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand. Um, how many? How many people are on his? Okay, so I know there's an attorney general. I know I, I interviewed Alberto Gonzalez, which was the attorney general for um, George Bush, and um, yep. <laughs> and the first thing I asked him was like, "So what do you do?" I really, honestly, I think I made my career by not knowing anything. Uh, it was uh, going in with a blank notepad and like, "So what do you do again?" Because I, I think I represented most people when uh, we really didn't know what people did in D.C. And Trump has actually opened the door 
for um, I think America to see what an attorney general is, who they are. Uh, Nancy Pelosi. What they should and shouldn't do, by the way. Well, we. I, if, most people if didn't notice. This is an interesting thing. What? Barr has been silent the last couple of weeks. Right, and the and the question was, are you America's lawyer? Are you the president's lawyer? Was always the question, right, with an attorney general. Right. So Trump seems to think it's his lawyer. Right, which I I was taught uh, I was taught it was Bush's lawyer. That's what I was told, and I didn't I didn't question it. Uh, I didn't think twice that it was America's it's lawyer. So, so it's it's his Department of Justice, and he's the one that appoints the attorney. But at the end of the day, that attorney's job is not to protect the president as an individual. It's to protect the office and also a myriad of other things. Um, What's the difference? So, and, see, I don't get it. So you're, so the, so, see, and, it's, the, and, it's a, and it's a different way of looking at it. So, for example, one of the reasons Jeff Sessions and Trump didn't work out was Trump wanted Sessions to fire either Comey, Comey or, yeah, yeah. I think it was probably Comey at the time, yeah. because they wanted to end the Russia investigation. He wanted him to get rid of Mueller because he wanted to end the Russia investigation because of the potential impact that would have on Trump, the individual, not on the office of the president. And Sessions wouldn't do that because it, he couldn't, right? Because it, 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 the, yeah. the mindset around it had to do more with, with protecting Trump versus protecting the office. And... That's a tough one, though. That's a tough. Wouldn't have done anything to protect the office. I see, but that's a tough. That's a tough one. I mean, to 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 break it apart, the office versus the person holding the office. That's a. Um, Isn't it? You know. I mean. See, I don't think it is. At least for me personally. So, for example, you know, there are some things that I look at whether it's whether you're Republican or Democrat that I agree with and don't agree with, right? I mean, I'm basically a, a Democrat and I've been relatively liberal for the majority of my life because of the things I've done. But there are other things that I see that certain folks in the GOP are trying to do that I think could be valuable. So I look at, at the policy issues. Um, when it comes to this particular president versus any other in the past, it's relatively clear that he has made the office about him and not his policies. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I, that's I really agree. how you can distinguish between the office and the person. You're right. And, and it's yeah. been very difficult the last four years to watch how that office has simply just become a dumpster fire. For lack of a better term, well, yeah, to you don't hear how he treats it. You and don't hear Republican. You don't. I, I don't hear Republican anymore. I hear Trump supporter. You don't hear the word Repo- I'm a Republican. I, well, you hear I, the Trump party. I, I, yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. I love Trump, MAGA. You know, but I don't. I don't hear Republican used anymore unless it's old school. Old school meaning pre four years ago. Uh, right. Re- and, yeah. And the conversation I have with a lot of people around. Um, policy and belief system. So, you know, two great examples of, of really divisive issues are the woman's right to choose and gun control, both of which I believe strongly in. However, I can understand why there are certain individuals who believe that the 
concept of abortion is so abhorrent that it offsets a woman's right to choose. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Okay. I also understand people that are raised around guns, constantly have them, are fearful that the government is going to take them away, which nobody's ever really proposing that, right. uh, except people far, far on the left who don't really have a concept of it. Um, and so I understand that. What I don't understand is how somebody can turn the other cheek when faced with the idea of the ends always justify the means. Because I don't believe that. I believe that, you know, life is a road that we take, and part of that is the journey that we take. Not so much getting what we want, but how we get there. And this particular administration and many of the supporters don't seem to care how we get there and the damage that's done. And that's really where I have the problem. And so when you talk about it as a Trump supporter versus a Republican, you're absolutely right. They are two different animals now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the same thing. And, you know, and it's frustrating to see that far too many folks are so myopic and that they've got their blinders on that they, they just don't seem to care who they hurt or how they get their message across. You know, a great example for me is, sadly, I know three different families from three different school shootings who lost their daughters. No. I know somebody from Parkland who I went to college with. Oh, my God. I know somebody from Sandy Hook who my wife and I do a lot of work with her. And I know one of the two families from um, Saugus in California. What? That's awful. That's, it's, that's it, not it, a... It is the kind of thing, and you know, and you've got daughters. Yeah. And I have daughters. I, I can't even begin to imagine, but you look at the vitriol that is laden with such hatred and disdain and disregard for the feelings and the experiences that these families have gone through. Because they're so concerned with ensuring they can get whatever gun they want whenever they want it. And again, I'm not saying you can or can't do that. But what I'm saying is have some empathy. Uh, yeah, I was about to say empathy. It's, it's Have some understanding that you have no idea what they've gone through. So to turn around and just bl- make blanket statements around your rights versus what happened to them goes to the idea that, you know, it's a journey that you take. And if you feel so entitled and so emboldened that it doesn't matter how you get there, then there's something wrong with you as a person. And that's the problem that I have. And so when we talk about attorneys that are going online and, and making all these horrible allegations and completely false and misleading statements, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And I think to myself, how is it that four years ago you felt this way? Yeah. And now you feel this other way, the complete 180, and you're trying to justify it? I don't buy it. So so what I, what I, um, I try to find the, the brighter side of things, and what I always said was, you know, when I was covering the White House, no one knew who Nancy Pelosi was. No one cared about an attorney general. No one thought twice when I was interviewing a cabinet secretary or a labor secretary or anything like that. Um, but 
so when Trump came along, the good news is he taught the entire country um, Washington, D.C. 101. Everyone knows everyone. You know, now we know who Pelosi is. Now we, we know who the players are, the Mitch McConnells. And you've got someone like uh, AOC, which I think is like is completely opposite of a Trump. You could say radical to the right, radical to the left. But she does point out she's a, she's a tattletale in a good way, uh, which we ran in Catalina Magazine. Um, Ruben Navarrete, who's uh, he was always said he was a Republican, but his writing lately he said I don't know what you call me anymore. But he actually said I appreciate there being a tattletale that when when AOC was you know, name called on the Capitol steps. She went to the mic and she she told everyone right away. And every, everyone listened. And everyone listened though. But but in a in prior to Trump's world, no one listened and no one cared. Uh what happened on those Capitol steps? A lot of us have just kind of, you know, we didn't have such a this is the biggest voter turnout. We didn't have such a big voter turnout in the past. But what the thing that I'm asking you is I don't understand law. I don't understand lawyers. I don't understand uh, the attorney general's office. I don't understand Jenna Ellis, uh, the president's lawyer. I don't understand Giuliani. I don't understand what role do they play in our U.S. government. Um, uh, that He's not teaching me. I'm not learning these new roles anymore. It's just very bizarre the roles they're playing because they're not um, these... I've never seen this before in D.C., and they're not explaining it very well when they focus on uh, someone's body part and name calling. That's not educating me as a United States citizen. What the heck are they doing in Washington, D.C.? So, what are so, they doing? Uh, let me let me address a couple things first. Yeah. Well, I, I, I actually had this conversation multiple times with the girls over the last few months about the fact that we are a more... Uh, aware electorate because of Trump. Now, to say that Trump taught us this isn't necessarily the right term. He simply just caused folks to wake up in order to understand what's happening and not ignore it because his behavior dictated it. Um, so, yeah. you're right. There, there's something good that came of it. How it came about is still rather bizarre. Now, relative to the attorneys and how they're acting, I think the way you have to look at it is this is more of a media circus, but this is him. This is how he's played everything. Everything for him is about crowd size. It's about ratings. It's about getting people's attention. It's about connecting with people so that he can get the adulation that he needs for his ego. But but are we are we paying? Simply following suit. So the the behavior that they're exhibiting and what they're saying in public online is vastly different than what they're actually presenting in court. Yes, I read an article because I was so confused. So I read I, I read an article or two about what's happening in the courtroom, as opposed to what happens at total um, Four Seasons Total Landscaping next to the adult bookstore and across the street from the crematorium. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's vastly different. But again, that goes to the Trump mantra of um, absence, of which there's none. And because he's, you know, you think about it, he's lived his entire life 
uh, on the idea that I need to have my name out there. I need to have people love me or know who I am. Look, it goes back to, whatever, 30 years ago when he called up a reporter purporting to be a publicist. Yeah. Himself. Yeah. You know, that kind of behavior just streams into his his people in his world and his aura. And so, and when they don't do that, what happens to them? Yep. They're, kind They're of gone. Kind. They're gone. But, but are this, are these, is, is, am I, am I paying Jonas and Rudy's um, salary? Are these, when they say they're Trump's lawyers, are they are these taxpayer funded? I don't. You know, that's a great question, and I don't know. You don't I know? They're really. I, I tend to think they're not taxpayer funded. I think what it's coming from is all the money that he's been raising for the campaign that is being used to pay for fighting the legal battles relative to the campaign. And I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know anything about campaign finance law. Um. But I, I, I've got to think that if they're raising money and telling people they're raising money to, to fight yeah. the election results, that paying the attorneys out of that fund is above board. So I think, if, I think people who are contributing to it are idiots. Well, well, they said that the money uh, there is a pack. I mean, basically, it's raising money for the election that already happened and he lost. Um, and you know, chances are the chances aren't there that he's gonna win. I mean, it's too many. It's not. It's not three million in California like Hillary. It's it's scattered at six over six million people in different states. Well, yeah, it's scattered six million people. Arizona just certified about two hours ago. Oh, did they? I didn't, I didn't get the latest. So yeah, so Arizona certified a couple of hours ago. Um, they George- stopped. The, they stopped the recount in Georgia in three counties because the the the, the GOP. Some of the GOP folks filed a suit against their fellow GOP members, Kemp and, and Raffensperger, to um, uh, to look at the counts uh, on certain Dominion mach- machines in the counties where Biden won and won by enough to, to sway Georgia. They're trying everything and anything, but the reality is, you know, when you when you look at what they're doing and the allegations they're laying. The fact that it's been four weeks, um, they've had one moderate success, which then got overturned on Saturday in Pennsylvania. Right. They haven't presented anything of real substance. And again, this is directly from the judges who are putting their opinions forward. Uh, my concern, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I would be interested to see if Alito, who has... Pennsylvania is one of his jurisdictions, is able to get the court to grant a writ to hear the case. Now, on the one hand, you'd almost want them to hear it and then throw it out, and then we're done. But on the other hand, I, I almost don't want them to issue a writ because it just gives it more life. And by not issuing a writ, they're basically saying, you have no standing. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't know which way I'd want to go and see that happen. But the reality is that I can't imagine in any universe the Supreme Court overturning all of these opinions if they were to hear any of them from these these federal cases that have, you know, been shut down against Trump. So, so as, a, as, as a lawyer, this isn't um, – for you, it's not watching beautiful 
law play out to you. It's not um, the way. It's a shit show. <laughs> don't hold back, please, Todd. Please don't hold back. So, so it is. It's a mess. Like they're denigrating the democracy. Their their underlying premise is they're trying to restore democracy because they feel as if the election was won fraudulently. But in actuality, what they're doing is they're undermining it because there are a substantial number of supporters who are becoming more and more um, frustrated with the process because Trump continues to believe they were, the election was rigged, and they believe him. I mean, you know, we know they believe him. They believe everything he says. It's why inexplicably 74 million people supposedly yeah. voted for him. Now, how, why is nobody turning around and saying, come on, really, 74 million? I think there's fraud there. Right, but you're not hearing that. No. From the left. Well, there's no room. Um, there's no. There's... And and I keep hearing arguments from people that how how did 80 million people vote for Joe Biden? He's been hiding in his basement. Um, and and I'm thinking, well, no, he wasn't. And B, 80 million people voted for him because there are a substantial number of first-time voters. Yeah. There are a substantial number of people who voted third party last time. There are a substantial number of people that were unengaged. And so Trump only has himself to blame for that because his behavior caused a substantial number of people left of center and even center to become more engaged in the process. Back to your point before about people learning more about what's actually happening in D.C., so you look at all those things, and then when people say, well, Biden had lousy rallies, and you know why Biden had lousy rallies? Because we weren't stupid enough in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> to go out and, and go to a fucking rally. I didn't need to do that. No. I just needed to make sure that I voted. That right. right, right, right. So, so all these arguments that they're making, when you sit back and you analyze them, they don't make any sense. Well, yeah. More people got engaged. Because of Trump. Well, More people yeah. came of age to vote in the last four years. And, you know, you look at the under 30 a group and the Demo- a majority Democrats. of them are Democrat. Well, they, they've always said that if you if you get younger voters involved and if you get the more voters you have, the, the tendency of the popular vote going to a Democrat. It's right. just getting the Democrats motivated. It's getting the younger voters voters motivated, getting the Latinos motivated. People haven't been motivated, but to stand five hours in a line to vote, that's a motivated voter right there. So that's yep. proof enough that it was going to go blue when when people wait for five hours. That's a blue vote. That's a motivated um, yep. voter that's not giving up uh, because they're not happy with uh, the incumbent. They're not happy with who's there. So they're voting for change. They voted against Trump more than for Biden, I think. Well, it's, listen, honestly, the same thing happened with Hillary in 2016. Yeah. You know, there, there, there were a lot of people who voted against her because they didn't like her and they wanted to change and they voted for Trump. Um, and so, you know, yeah. that, that played a role this time. He just was, he wasn't the beneficiary this time. He was the target. And so, you know, was the, he, he tweeted out something interesting, I think it was last week, about, um, you know, as you know, they are focused on a certain 
cities within certain states that are swing states in terms of which ballots and which yep. um, counties they're uh, disputing. Yep. So he tweeted that, and I'm paraphrasing, but something about, according to Politico, um, Biden did terrible in all the big cities, except for Philadelphia, Detroit, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. Right. Um, now, that's an inter- that was an interesting fact because it was not a fact. It was completely misleading. Because I looked at it and I went, this is bullshit. I can't believe that. <laughs> so I looked up New York. I looked up Chicago. I looked up D.C. And I looked up Boston. Now, Boston is, you know, not, but it's certainly a bigger city than Milwaukee, Wisconsin. No yeah. offense to people And that's in your city. Let's be honest. You're there. That's your city. So he won, every, this being Biden, he won those four cities by a minimum of 50 points. Like, one was 74, one was 82, one was 93, and one was like 87. So the fact that tr- – and, and those, were not, those were not swing states. Illinois, um, obviously D.C. is not a state, but uh, New York and Massachusetts. Massachusetts was compl- – every county in Massachusetts was blue. So those were not swing states. Yet he destroyed Trump in those – in the major cities in those four states. So the fact that Trump – tweeted out that according to Politico, Biden did terrible in all major cities except for these four, Philadelphia, um, Milwaukee, Atlanta, and whatever the other one was, I can't remember. Um, It's completely misleading. But again, that's how he operates. And taking this back full circle, that's how his attorneys are operating. They are misleading the public because they're, at this point, I think where they're at yeah. is they don't have much confidence in overturning the election, but they do have a lot of confidence in setting this up for, to try to make sure Biden fails, to make sure that his presidency is considered illegitimate, and for Trump to potentially make a run in 24, either as a Republican or his own party. Because the thing that's scary is he could run as a freaking independent. Yeah. Or his own channel... He, he, he and, was going to launch his own channel, you know. They said he was going to uh, launch. My hope is that God takes him before then. Hey, 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 Todd, not on this show. Come on. Sorry. Well, you know, take him politely. And, um, yeah. You know. And, um, well, to, to however the... he takes him, I don't care. <laughs> um, oh, my God. But um, so, so why are the lawyers. My, but my point is, is that when we take this full circle, you know, all kidding aside, yeah. the reality is that. The information that has always been disseminated from that administration, but certainly now as it relates to the election, really is to garner as much support for the position that this was not a fair election to undermine the Democrats going forward, to undermine Biden, to create enough division that Biden won't get the support that he should. Now, looking back four years ago, there are millions and millions of people who consider Trump to be an illegitimate president for any number of reasons. So I get that from the voting populace, right? Like if somebody says that, as I, I'm like, you know what? I can't stop that. I can't control that. Quite frankly, part of me wouldn't blame them because their guy was subjected to the same thing. The difference 
is that it wasn't coming from the White House. It wasn't coming from his opponent. And that's where this is problematic. And that's where this trickle-down really legitimizes it more so than what and and that's and that's really a problem and the fact that the attorneys are complicit in it well again there's nothing that that ethically can hold up in court that precludes them from doing what they've done so far they should know better see that they should try to do better that was my question to you tell you about them as an individual well what does it tell you like what does it tell you about them it tells me that they're hypocrites and that they're focused solely on, um, again, getting to the ends that they want without giving any concern to how they get there. What and do you want? Like, what Giuliani at this point, um, I don't understand. He had a, a wonderful reputation as America's mayor for 9-11, uh, right? Both sides, they, they liked him, and he's, you know— Grand, you know, he's our grandpa. We'll invite him over for Thanksgiving, and we like him, and he could tell us um, stories about uh, bringing Disney to Times Square. Like, I'm okay with that. I was okay with that with Giuliani. Now, what the heck is he doing? Why is this? Why, why is he going to ride out into the sunset with this? What is his goal for the next four years? What, what are the goals for the next four years for this dream team that uh, Trump has assembled of lawyers here? What, what kind of dream team is this? Is this a dream uh, team? It, it's, it's, a, it's a great question to ask. But again, like their quote-unquote boss, who they're representing, yeah, they are driven by ego. In the case of Giuliani, uh, listen, he fell out of the spotlight for a lot of years, right? Yeah. Maybe talk to his daughter. She probably knows because she can't stand him. Um <laughs> To figure out what's driving this. So, I, are you saying Freud? We're going back to Freud with these people that it's id, ego, super ego? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it. I mean, look, really Trump happens to be, you know, there's no question he's a narcissist. I mean, that's just, that's textbook. I mean, I was a psych major in college. I never practiced psychology, but that's just textbook. Like, like, I mean, I got a, a you know, my when when Bella, who's now a sophomore, was a freshman taking introductory psychology, she said that. I mean, she you said know, it as an eighteen-year-old kid. It's textbook, but you know his behavior goes beyond that. I mean, it's borderline sociopathic in terms of the things he does. Which one? Which one are we talking about? Trump or Trump. Uh, Giuliani? Trump. Uh, well, like, so yeah, so so Trump, yeah, Trump. I've heard is on the spectrum. I've heard he's narcissistic. I I've heard Aspergers. I've no, heard no. He he. Actually, I don't think he has Aspergers. I mean, I really would be surprised. I I, I think he's simply just a narcissist with sociopathic tendencies. Like that's okay. legitimately how I view him. I don't see him having Aspergers. I'd be shocked. Okay. Um, Giuliani is just a poor old guy who had. The spotlight all to himself for a number of years, fell out of the spotlight, and now he's looking to take it back. Um, and that's ego. That uh, that so 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 we're talking. I'm I'm talking Freud though. I'm talking downright super ego, ego and and id. You know, with with Giuliani, I don't know. You don't know. You know, I, I again, I think I think he just misses the spotlight, and 
he's 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 lost his way, quite frankly. Um, because again, you know, Trump has always been this way. Like you can look back interviews yes. three years ago. He's yeah. always been this way. Giuliani wasn't. No. So I, I think for, from Giuliani's perspective, I think he's just a he's just a poor old guy who's lost his way and wants wanted to get back in the spotlight, and this was his way in, and it's why he's doing and saying the kind of things he's saying that you're like. Did you really just say that? The My Cousin Vinny? Was that the best uh, law movie you've ever seen, Todd? Oh, my God. I, I know. And the fact that he referenced that. Incorrectly. But, but, Incorrectly. You know, somebody, somebody nailed it a few years ago, and I think it's brilliant. I mean, he looks like Simon Bar Sinister from Underdog. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched Underdog, the cartoon. Not so much that I remember the reference. So go. What do but, you mean? But that's, that's who he reminds me of. Um, and so I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much it. But, again, So temporary? So I, this is temporary for him. So at, so when you have power and fame, it, it's fleeting. But when, at the moment you have it, you don't realize that it, it, he's at the top right now. The, all cameras on him. So at the moment he doesn't realize how temporary this is, you think? Yeah. Be- you know, it's, it's always that 15 minutes of fame. But he, the thing is is that at some level you think he would because he had it and lost it. Right, in 9-11, the the world, he was the world's mayor. People looked to him for guidance, moral support, more so than they did to to W. And Well, it was like a Cuomo Trump. It was a Cuomo... disappeared. Right. Now he has this opportunity with Trump to bring it back and find his way into the spotlight, which he has. When I look at the other attorneys, you know, some of them are... Who are the other attorneys? Because I just see, um, I see Jenna Ellis, who I know, so I see Jenna Ellis holding the phone up so that um, Trump can talk into a microphone, right? Right. I think that was Jenna holding the mic up. I think that was her with the phone. And Rudy, how many are on the team? Because they, they I let... I think there's four or five. The other couple I don't know. I mean, there was Sidney Powell, but they distanced themselves from her. But I think in part they distanced themselves from her because... The Hugo Chavez thing? She represented thing? Michael Flynn. Oh. And yeah. within a couple of days after distancing themselves from her, uh, they pardoned Flynn. So they maybe oh. they could have done it because they wanted to uh, eliminate the uh, appearance of impropriety because okay. she was his Trump's representation and then for him to pardon her client wouldn't look good at all. The optics would be would be borderline ethically questionable. But the reality is, she's a kook. Well, she brought up Hugo Chavez, uh, you know. She's, she's a kook. And the like, machines like, in Arizona. I was Arizona, waiting for her so. to, to talk about the fact that um, alien technology uh, interfered with the election. From Venezuela. Like, that's, that, that's how far off the reservation she is. But again, <laughs> they're saying all these things, but they're not providing any substance. So, and so let's say, Todd, I'm, I'm, like, I'm in a lot of, let's say I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm an elected official right now. I'm in a lot of trouble, and I'm looking for my dream team. Are you telling me that uh, this group that I've been watching on TV holding up these uh, cell phones to a mic are, are not the people I should turn to? After they're done well, with their current that's a, uh, client, that's a great. That's a great question and a great point because a lot of people said, "Why didn't he go to Bush's team, who some of whom were still around, who did a great job with Bush in 2000?" Yeah, and I think because they didn't want to take the case. Really? 
So here's the thing: we, we, you know, there's two types of attorneys who work um, in in sort of private sector stuff, right? You know, when you're a prosecutor or state, you know, a state attorney or a federal prosecutor, or you're on, you're you know, you work for the um, public defender's office. You take what you take, right? Like, you know, I, I just a quick side note: um, I had the original intake on um, Elian Gonzalez. No. Yes. Oh, they wow. got taken from me pretty quickly because I was a 25-year-old shit. So they didn't <laughs> want me touching that thing. Um, <laughs> it was a mess, though, for everyone involved. So uh, it, it, it was. I was. I was very happy that I was off that. Poor Janet Reno didn't didn't recover from that one either. No, but anyway, that that's just a, a, a little sidebar. But the reality is that, um, as an attorney who's in that position. There are two reasons to take a case that you can choose to take. One, you want the publicity, which you, you can't – the publicity in this kind of stuff, like the publicity that Jen Ellis is getting good and bad, Yeah, uh, she couldn't pay for that to no. save her life. No. No way. No. And then so, there are those who take it because they want the money to do it. Those are the two reasons. It's it's in a case like the this, money when publicity. you know it's a loser. So, so the, so the money's gonna last though, then, because the publicity she's getting, I don't, I don't know if I'd hire her if I was in a jam for a political election. Like, you know, if I think but, I but lost. But if you look, if you look at her feed, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, she's got a lot of supporters. So. Uh, if if anything, she she's going to gain more than she than she would have had she been anonymous. Oh wow! Right. So she ha- had she stayed the uh, Jenna Ellis that I knew uh, from the green room, it, that would have paid her in the future. So she made the right move with the micro penis syndrome sad. Yeah, I me- um, I memorized the tweet. But but, it, but but to my point about the attorneys who would or wouldn't take it. So you look at interesting. Um, you look at the the folks that could have done a better job with this yeah. if, it, if it's even possible given the circumstances. They didn't take it because they didn't need the publicity and they didn't take it because they didn't need the money. So they didn't want to take a loser case, period. Because they just didn't want to be associated with it because quite frankly for them, their reputation wasn't worth it. Wow. Oh, oh my that, gosh. That, that's what I think. Now I could completely be wrong. This is totally conjecture on my part because I don't know them. I don't know who was asked. But you know, looking at a 10,000-foot overview, that's how I see it. Um, and, you know, the fact is is that, look, I, I have clients that are no longer my clients because they were such ardent Trump supporters I couldn't work with them anymore. Oh, so... I, I, I just couldn't do it because I have very strong feelings relative to how people comport themselves with this particular individual and if you if you if you are not intellectually astute enough to see somebody like this for who he or she is you know i can't fault you for that because that's just who you are and how you were raised and and your lack of educational experiences but if you know better like if you're smart enough to know better and you don't care I don't want to be associated with you. Wow. And that and that's that's how I am. I mean, I've jettisoned a 
a number of personal and professional relationships because I don't, life is too short. I don't need people like that around me. And I would tend to think that some of these attorneys who could have had an opportunity and would have done a better job of presenting his case. Right. There are many. Legally. There are many. Didn't want to be associated with him. Would you have taken it? It wasn't worth the reputation. Would you have taken it? Me? Oh, yeah. God, no. No? Because you said, though, no. look at the look no. at the following. She's amassed maybe 100,000 more followers. I don't care. You can't talk sense into them? No. I don't care. I, I would never, uh, again, because there, there's, there's, in my mind, for the majority, there's, there's really two types. There's those who are intellectually deficient or morally corrupt. That's it. That's how I look at it. And so I, 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 don't, I don't have the need to create those associations, which, again, is why, like I said, I have clients that are no longer my clients. I have friends who are no longer my friends because I just – that's just not who I am. That's not how I was raised. And if you can't see – if you're smart enough to know better and you don't care, that goes back to my point about the means and the ends. Yeah. That the ends don't always justify the means. And if you don't care how you get there, that's a problem for me. So and then, so, so, so is it correct then that I'm an I'm uh, I know what I know in my professions, but I don't quite understand what's going on. And according to you, it's a shit show. So a lot of us don't understand it because it, because it is know, a mess, right? Here's the thing: we don't know what's really driving and motivating them to represent them. I mean, we can guess, um, but the representation is less about the legal end of it and more about the marketing, which is pretty much what he is as a person. He's all about the marketing. So we're that's, watching that's, a reality show. This is the finale of a, a four-year reality show? This is like the, the, the big finale? Yeah. that's what I, I, Well, that's my hope. Well, why? You think he might have another four years? You think they'll win? So... I, I, what? I don't think they will. What? But I've learned what? in my life to never count my chickens till they're hatched. Oh, oh boy. So until Biden is actually inaugurated on January 20th. Oh my gosh. Still a part of me. And, my, and I've had this conversation with my friends. They're like, are you serious? I'm like, listen, I don't trust anything anymore. Um, Until he's because, in that White House snuggled you know, up in a bed? Boats are getting certified, but who knows if on December 14th something happens and all of a sudden this is 269, 269, that becomes a problem. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Is it, is it likely it's going to happen? No. But, I mean, Trump became president. Anything's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. I, I, like, so, like, so I, I, mean, I remember... Probably October of 2016, I wrote this little thing on Facebook. We have we have an English cream retriever, Luna, who is a doll. She's such a great dog, and everybody's dogs are great dogs. But you know, we love this dog. And I wrote um, 12 reasons why Luna Faber would make a president, better president than Donald Trump. <laughs> my dog. Yeah. My literally my dog, and they were all made sense, which is the scariest part. But anything's possible. Now, I'll, I'll leave you with this, and this is a really interesting thing when you talk about people's mindsets and, and 
this go. This will go to show you how I was raised. Okay. So my dad, who's eighty, you'll be eighty-three in, in a couple of months, who still works. He's, you know, he is. He's a, he's about as straight of an arrow as they come. Okay. Um, he has voted for a GOP candidate since nineteen seventy-two. Okay. In the fall of nineteen ninety-nine, my new bride. So Jen and I have been married, you know, a year. Um, and my parents went up to Saratoga Springs. So I went to school at Skidmore in New York, where my daughter now goes. And my parents always loved going up there. Just such a great town, especially in the fall. So we go up there, and it's an off weekend meeting. It's not parents weekend. The racetrack's not open. It's just a nice weekend to go up. We check into the hotel, and the hotel's slammed. So I asked the receptionist, I'm like, what's going on? Why is it so busy? Like, it's not parents weekend. And I sort of went through all the things. She goes, well... The first lady is in town, and she's very good friends with the new president of the college, and she's going to be speaking at the college. My dad looks at me and goes, we're leaving. I'm like, what? Uh-huh. He says, I can't be in the same town as her. Oh, I'm like, okay, you're, you're, being, you're being ridiculous. I said, if you want to leave, you and mom can get in the cab and go home because we drove, right. and we're not leaving. Right. Now, we stayed. Fast forward 17 years. This, is, again, is a guy who's always voted GOP. You know who you voted for in 2016? Who? Hillary. Really? Mm-hmm. Cause it, well, it's not a GOP thing. It was a Trump thing. It's Trump. It's not, I don't think, it's not a Republican thing, as we were saying. Right. And right. that's, but, but again, the point being that you don't have to feel the need to get what you want if it comes at a price. And the problem is that there are far too many Trump supporters who I really believe feel that the ends completely justify the means and they will get what they want and they don't care how they get it. And this goes back to the problem and it goes back to how the attorneys are comporting themselves online, what they're representing, how they're misleading things. But unfortunately, taking this full circle to the original premise of the conversation, there's really not a lot out there that they've done that violates any real ethical constrictions that the uh, that the ABA has put on them. In part because there's no social media rules, and because they kind of haven't they've towed the line. I'll be honest with you, but there's nothing that I've seen that that should justify somebody going to a bar and saying. Um, you know, we need to file a complaint against this person so far. now, And it's why when a judge has asked attorneys, so is there any, are you saying there's been fraud? And they're like, no, because they won't go that far in court. They'll do it online all day long. But when they get into court, they know better. Right. Because if they do it in court, that becomes a different issue. Wow. So would you, what does your dad think now? What does your dad think about uh about oh he hates him even more than he did four years ago <laughs> <laughs> he's like i knew it i knew it i, I don't think any and i have conversations about this pretty regularly because we try to go to lunch like once a week and um yeah he feels the same way i do i mean I, I just again there are certain policies that i look at that you know republicans and democrats have have instituted that i like and don't like on both sides but for me again with this particular president it isn't about what he's trying to do. It's how he's doing it and how he's emboldened so many people who really are not nice people. 
Wow. And, and that's and that's where we're at. We are in a situation where there's been a great number of people who've been unearthed who feel as if he is speaking for them. Yeah. And therefore they are able to do and say what they want regardless of the consequences. See, I was... and, and that's that's a problem. Yeah, I, I just no? I, I wanted to turn to you because I did uh, last week I did a segment and the journalist and I were talking and she's she's been a journalist for the past two decades. I've covered three administrations. And when we were covering uh, these tweets, we were actually the, the, the segment was the tweeting, the, the tweets in general from the president and from his uh, lawyers. And uh, in reading them, uh, we both kind of stopped for a minute because we're like, wow, we never thought we'd reach a point in our careers when we're doing a straight news story and we almost need a warning label, you know, PG-13, R-rated, just by reading uh, tweets coming out of the White House and those representing our president. So that's what led me to come to you because I asked I asked the journalist, I said, what, what are the rules? What are the ethics? Because um, I know we're not allowed to do and say certain things what are they allowed to do and say? And she said, you know, I don't know. Because she has, we've never seen this before. In covering, in covering three administrations, I've never seen this kind of language. Uh, so I never had a problem uh, quoting a president before. Uh, I interviewed Jimmy Carter. I, there was nothing, I didn't have a warning label. I interviewed Laura Bush. There was no warning label. They knew... I, I thought there was ethics. That's why I thought there was ethics. I thought there was things that they knew that they could and shouldn't say, and I knew what I could and shouldn't say. Uh, but then this whole, um, this whole, ever since the election, November third, everything's out the window. I, I, I everything I but thought I knew any, is is not true they, anymore. Um, they haven't done anything that would that I've seen that would cause a bar. Uh, association that they're a member of to suspend them or for somebody to be able to badly file an, uh, 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 an, an ethics violation. Yeah, but if, if people's but, lives you know, are in danger... She, but she just she just tweeted about 40 minutes ago. I've been, um, I've been blocked. Jen I can't Ellis, see it. I can't see it. The certification of Arizona's false results is unethical and knowingly participating in the corruption that has disenfranchised Arizona voters. But this in no way impacts the state legislature's ability to take back the proper selection of delegates. And that's that's those are the things that concern me, is that on December 14th, if the state legislature that's GOP-driven could turn around and be like, yeah, you know what, we're not going to give these to Biden, we're going to give them to Trump and find a way to do it. Um, but that's not accurate. What she wrote wasn't accurate. I don't think it is accurate, but it's but it's it's misleading enough for his supporters to again look at this election as completely fraudulent and undermined it, and that's part of what they're trying to do. Is that dangerous, though? People. Um, oh, it's completely dangerous. But people are dangerous. People have had boring because, because jobs. I worry about what's going to happen at the at the inauguration. Who's going to show up? Yeah, no, that's what scares me, you know, it's because people who have had boring jobs in the past um, have said that now they're getting death threats. You know, they've had jobs they go to, they get their coffee, they go to their desk, no big deal for the last 10 years, 
now they're getting death threats. Like, like yep. this is causing uh, innocent people to receive threats uh, just for their... On both sides, by the way, too. I mean, I'm not going to... Well, yeah. I'm not gonna, I mean, even the, you know, the Aaron Murphy from the GSA, who shouldn't have done what she did, but she did. Yeah. She got death threats. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Emily, Emily, right? Emily. Oh, Emily. Yeah, Emily, right? Emily. Aaron Murphy was was the actress on Bewitched. <laughs> it's, you know, that was an easy, simple mistake there. Um, but uh, yes. no, yeah, but yeah, no. The, the de- that's the whole point, though. The death threats. Uh, it's no joke. Uh, people, it's a divided country, and it's a scary place to live. So, um, I would think that we would want peace above everything. Uh, well, but we. We're, we're so far from that yeah. because you have you have somebody who for the better part of the last five years has reduced the discourse to rubble. Anybody that can say the things he said before taking office years ago yeah. and have folks not care. Anybody who's, who, when talking about his, one of his female opponents that she's too ugly to vote for. Yeah. Um, has reduced it to rubble. And then you look and see that 74 million people after all this still support him. What the hell? How is that possible? But it is. Yeah. It's inexplicable. Well, I, w- I, I was hoping you would say something was wrong with, um, th- I thought there were some rules or ethics or AP style manual that they had to go by but you're telling me that doesn't exist. Um, there is no AP style manual for lawyers. So. so, so what it is is that you know the the American Bar Association has their model code of ethics, but it doesn't specifically address social media. So the assumption that they go under is that you then have to follow um, the the rules that you would follow in in non social media context. Um, and like I said, the only thing that in the ABA that really addresses the misconduct, and each individual state has sort of put out guidelines, et cetera. And, you know, I, I don't know the specifics about, like, New York did something a few years ago where they did a whole manual on social media presence, but it was more recommendation stuff. It wasn't anything that they could hold hard and fast to. But, you know, 8.4, which addresses misconduct, talks about that one thing I told you where the harassment piece. And it's the idea of if it's discrimination based on a, on a class, right? Sex, religion, origin, ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what she said probably just doesn't fall into that. So Todd, what she tweeted. Is it the problem, though, uh, social media? Like, we have so many people in Congress, wouldn't you say the ABA, that you've got people that think that the Internet's a bunch of wires? Remember that one, the congressman one time? Oh, yeah, that, I remember that. Oh, my God. He, yeah, he held idiot. up the, the wires and he said, this is the Internet, and I don't know how to plug it in. So is yeah. it at the at the end of the day, isn't that uh, we haven't caught up? Uh, no one, the ABA didn't bank on Twitter. They didn't bank on a president. Uh, uh, Obama wasn't allowed his BlackBerry when he walked into the White House. They took yeah, away his BlackBerry. And th- that wasn't even Twitter. That was just a, a, a private device they didn't want him using that wasn't, uh, uh, you know, a presidential device. So well, it wasn't secure. Right. But now you've got someone on social media that apparently has insomnia. Um, and so it's just the laws having caught up. Wouldn't you say that this is a lesson then for the ABA? Oh, I, I would like to think that if there's, you know, is there, is the, as Congress is looking to try to regulate 
social media companies. Yeah. I think they do have to do a better job uh, meeting the, the bar association has to probably do a better job of coming up with ways to um, check attorney's conduct a little bit better. But, you know, I think there was a case a few years ago where an attorney, I don't know if it was North Carolina, um, made some tweet that he was, or a post that he was claiming was political, but they admonished him because they felt that it was it, it fell more into the context of an advertisement, and so they questioned it. Um, so there are things here and there, but in terms of a general overarching thing, I just I haven't seen anything. Now, there could be, again, because I haven't practiced in 20 years, I'm not necessarily staying on top of it because I don't have to, but from what I've read, I just, I just haven't seen anything that says specifically carves out rules, you know, for attorneys using social media across the board that deals with the conveyance of information. I mean, again, when you talk about their ability to ensure they're not disclosing confidential information, whether it's on social media or not, they have to do that and they have to abide by it. Whether it's um, the advertising piece, they have to abide by it, whether it's social media or nothing else. But in terms of how they choose to conduct themselves as citizens, with statements that they make, you know, it becomes a is it protected speech? So like that's I'll, and that's where I think the bars will have a difficult time trying to regulate it. Um, you know, the interesting thing about Jen Ellis is that she's you know she she puts out there that she's a public figure, and she puts out there that she's representing the president. Yes. So the things that she doesn't say reflect on the president, but because the president's an idiot and an ass. Uh, you know, oh my God. it falls right in line with what he already does. He's not telling her to take If the client doesn't tell you to take it down, she could keep it up. That's yeah. basically and, it. And, 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 and what I think is happening is he's saying, push, push, push this narrative. So she's pushing the narrative. So he... Like, he, I guarantee you, that they, they have a... a a methodology to their madness relative to some of this. Some of the, you know, when they get in the court, they're completely, you know, off, off. I mean, they, they've, they've got nothing. But when it comes to the social media, to an extent, I think they know what they're doing in terms of, again, trying to undermine this election. Yeah, she did. She, yeah, she did enjoy going to the White House and watching the movies and the movie theater there. And she did tell me. She really enjoys all that, all that fun stuff. So I guess she enjoys the client. The client enjoys her. Um, you know, they're, the way they work. So they're, Even I guess, though she's sacrificing her Christian morals. Well, yeah, one tweet says, the um, uh, again, direct tweet is uh, micropenis syndrome, uh, sad. And then the next one is her Christianity. And, uh, right. yeah, yeah. They, I, they, the hypocrisy is... is- mind-blowing it's one after well I, you know but then i was blocked so it's i right, I, but, I, I miss it you know I, you, I miss you don't that. need to be blocked or not to know that yeah. um to go out and purport to be, and it's no listen she's no different than a lot of evangelicals who continue to support them you know i i have conversations with people where they they talk about the idea that what separates us from god is that we sin and I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. And, and nobody is perfect. And nobody goes without committing something that would be considered 
sinful. Now, I'm Jewish, so I'll preface it with that. However, I know enough to know that part of what you do as a, as a Christian or a Catholic is you go and you repent, and you repent your sins. And I would tend to think part of that process is, hey, you know what, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to try to not do this again. If I do, I know I can come back and, uh, you know, and repent again and not be absolved of it, and that's great. But it gets to a point where repeating the same really shitty behavior over the course of your adult life tells me you haven't learned anything, and you're really not contrite, and you're really not remorseful. And that's how I look at someone like Trump. And so you really can't justify the argument that he, like everybody else, is a sinner and and we have to forgive him because when you blatantly behave that way, you're just a bad person. And so when you are someone like her who's said all these nasty things about him but now turns around and represents him and says, well, you know, you know, God looks at this and, and, you know, we all sin. And No, 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 no. It just doesn't work that way. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a tipping point where your behavior is not the kind of behavior that is justified and should be followed and should be somebody that we see as a leader. And that's the hypocrisy of all of this is they don't seem to care. And it goes back to I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do to get what I want. And, and I just don't believe that. So- I don't believe that's the way to be. And so when you're representing someone like Trump, as their attorney, you can't help but have the same online behavior that he has. Where do all your new fans follow you now that listen to this? Um, I have a lot of Fox um, viewers who listen and um, <laughs> I, and, uh, and a lot not. I have both sides of the aisle who listen. So where can we find you and um, more of your fun intellect and uh your your cuban shenanigans my cuban shenanigans yeah you have you have a whole house full of uh, cuban women so i know I, I life isn't easy like the plague which is why i built my office in the basement i'm sorry for you by the way i'm sorry about your house situation cubans are rough no, I, we're I, rough I, I, honestly I, I wouldn't have it any other way it's no. it's it's lively and fun it's you know i like i said sometimes i have to hide but that's okay no we're the best, um, they, we're the best. they certainly know where to find me unfortunately <laughs> So, so where would uh, where do you have a website? Or is anywhere we should go? Do you, are you consulting? Are you uh, where are you sharing your wisdom? If anyone wants to find you or comment. So, so honestly, I mean, no place. Uh, you would know, you my, rather be my, anonymous? My, my Instagram account is pretty much at this point just family stuff. I mean, okay. If so. you want to, if people want to comment or see my comments, they can they can um, uh, they can go to Facebook. Um, or have stuff there. Um, or they could come to me. To and I could send it to you. Would you like to stay nicely anonymous and just be Todd with uh, the three Cubans? Um, and um, well, it, 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 if, it, if it helps you um, validate this, help me help you. Uh, no, no, I'm fine. No, you. It's uh, no. The confusion was I couldn't understand the ethics involved, and apparently, uh, you've explained it. I mean, you you've yeah. answered all our questions. There are a lot of us just in the dark. Of how is this possible? What's going on? And why is our mayor? It's just, it's just possible for the same reason yeah. that you know. Look, the social media in general doesn't have the regulations that a lot of people think it should, and so it's hard if you can't really regulate how 
the big tech companies are comporting themselves. It's, it's that much more difficult to regulate how people in the public sphere are. Listen, nobody's regulating Trump, right? No. So it, it, just trickles, it just trickles down from there. Why didn't Twitter do this three years ago? Why wasn't Twitter putting these little blue uh, warning, when you know, when he, when he said Rosie O'Donnell's, uh, you know, called her names, why didn't they say, why didn't they take it down if they're so because, against bullying? she's a public figure. But they didn't put a little note like this isn't substantiated, this isn't correct. I, 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 because she's a public figure. I mean, that's yeah. part of the problem is that yeah. um, private citizens have a better shot yeah. of defamation than people in the public eye. Once you're in the public eye, all it's 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 there's no holds bar. Oh, and I that's know what's happening. Um, and you know, in the case of of Trump, what he's done, like I said, is he's lowered the bar and so much so that everybody feels as if they can do and say what they want, especially online. And of course, the irony is, we all know, at least those of us on the left, is that when his his wife comes up with an anti-bullying campaign for online. Be best. And her husband's literally the biggest online bully I've ever seen. <laughs> I and, and nobody seems to think or care about it on the right. It's mind-blowing. I, I always like, hashtag be best. I, I listen to Melania. Be best. I, uh, I like to quote her a lot. It's, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Now listen, it's full not, disclosure, yeah. I'm not the best. I, I mean, I'll admit it because he drives me crazy with what he says, and I like to call him out for it because I hate bullies. You know, I was a guardian ad litem for, for kids in foster care for three years. Um, you know, then I worked as a child abuse prosecutor. Then I ran what was then the largest currency intervention program in the country out of Miami-Dade kind of public schools. Started a couple of nonprofits. But there's always been this thing about protecting certain groups of individuals who really don't have the wherewithal to protect themselves and then I look at him who has everything he wants and he's a fucking bully (laughs) he had every opportunity every year of his presidency to get a second term he didn't get a second term he he didn't lose this election because 80 million people strong thought Joe Biden was awesome. I like Joe Biden. I think he's great. And, and Kamala Harris, I think, is fantastic. But there's not 80 million of us. Maybe half that. Yeah. Trump lost the election. Biden didn't win it, per se, in, the, in terms of how this unfolded. He could have won this election. He had multiple opportunities to comport himself in a way that was more presidential. And it wouldn't have taken a lot of effort. But it just goes to show you the serious personality deficit that he has that pre- prevents him from being a compassionate human being. Yeah, they actually, um, they said, you know, the problem is when you go back and the recount the votes, it just keeps telling him he's a loser again because they find more votes for Biden. I love that. It's like the worst, he doesn't want to hear it. And then every time they go back, they actually find like, oh, yeah, yeah, there are more. We count, you know, three more for uh, you, but 20,000 more for Biden. And they found that in one, um, I think it was in Georgia, in um, one county, that 24,000 people who showed up in the summer uh, that had voted for Trump in the summer uh, did not show up in November. He lost 24,000 just in one county. Uh, so it was, yeah. it was interesting. It was, they, they, were, they were his voters. 
and he yeah. lost them from June to November. Yeah. So they were his to 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 have, and he lost. So you know, yeah. I, I, I'll I'll leave you with this, and and I know we probably both have to go, but this is just an interesting sort of side note to this in terms of the idea that he lost the election. I firmly believe that the circumstances we were presented with in the spring, or you know, late winter with COVID, he was the only president in the last 25 or 30 years that could have handled this in a way that would have helped us navigate it better. And what I mean is that those of us on the left, we're always going to put a mask on. That, that was a no-brainer. We just were going to do it because we put the livelihood of those around us ahead of ourselves because we don't believe in personal liberty first, right? So we didn't need Obama or Trump or Bush or Clinton to tell us. Now, if Obama was president and he said, you have to do X, Y, Z, yeah. all the people on the right would have flipped him the bird. So there's no way I'm doing this. Right. Now, if Trump had said in March, okay, this is what's going on. This is what we have to do. My guess is 75% of his supporters would have put a fucking mask on. Wow. There's 25% that just wouldn't because they're just idiots and, <laughs> you know, they're they're growing long beards and living in, in, in double wides and cabins. Like, they're just not going to do anything. But 70, I, I think 75% of his supporters would have put a mask on because he told them to. He didn't. But he didn't. He didn't. And had he done that, this election would have turned out differently. Well. It absolutely would have, because that would have shown, but he's just not capable of that kind of leadership style because he's led by his ego and what he believes is in his own best interest. And what he believed was in his own best interest was, I have to ignore this. I can't let this take over because if I do, and because I, I can't control it, then it's going to be a problem in the election. And the irony was, had he owned it, yeah. And shown a leadership role, A, the virus would have been under, better under control because more of his supporters would have taken the necessary precautions like the rest of us. And the economy wouldn't have been as nearly as badly affected over a long period of time. Yeah. And I think people that were, were on the fence with him, which is inexplicable to me anyway, but who were... <laughs> would have probably voted for him. You're right. So, it, so that's the irony of all of this. That is, is that I hadn't even thought about the, that. He was the one president that in the last 30 years who had enough control over his yeah. base of supporters that they would have done what he asked. Right, because, because if like you know, I said, they wouldn't have listened to Obama, they wouldn't have listened to Clinton, they probably wouldn't have listened to Bush. You're right. Yeah, but, but if they're going to wear a red... A uh, MAGA hat, then they're going to wear a red MAGA mask. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And he had that little Darth Vader look going around the corner when they all wore the black mask that one day. Remember? And they were all walking like in slow-mo, like a movie. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I thought they, they really owned it when they did that little Darth Vader move around the Death Star in the in the mask. But, but, my, but my point is, yeah. is that that... Yeah. He, he absolutely had control over this, and now he has none. And it's his own fault. 
uh, uh, well, it depends on what he does on uh, the, the 21st, right? You know, let's see if the 21st he um, he's he's uh, wishes everyone well. Or um, yeah, I don't see that happening. All right, well, don't depress me because you know. Sorry, I'm yeah. a realist. My Jen Jen says I'm a pessimist, but I'm a realist. Well, she's Cuban, so you know she's right. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, of course. in this case. <laughs> well, I mean, I could talk to her and we would both say you're wrong because we're both Cuban. So she's right. Exactly. She's right. She wins. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, I'm going to tell them to go through me. So I will get all of your death threats and you will be spared. Um, oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. I wish you would have been more open and honest about how you feel about Trump, but hopefully next time when we get to know each other better. Yeah, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm really yeah. sorry that I just didn't feel comfortable. Complete disappointment, I have to say. And I hope yeah. next time you open up to me more and, uh, you know, and uh, you tell me the truth. But All right. Well, listen, it was great chatting, and you, you take care of yourself. No, you're, you're the best. Thank you. Um, you're right. You're right. They would have worn a mask. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. No, anyway. I, I know. All right. All right. Well, enjoy the warm weather down there. I'm jealous. Well, um, enjoy the uh, the Cubans. Um, I will. <laughs> all right. Uh, hugs all right, to all of care. them. Adios. Gracias. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, and that's um that's our uh, official legal correspondent from now on at um Liberal Sherpa. I, I think if you have a show called Liberal Sherpa, we definitely need a liberal lawyer like that. I had no idea. I didn't know he was I didn't know his views either way. I just wanted to know the laws. But um okay, so thank you for tuning in and that was uh a, I hope you stuck with us uh, the whole time cuz he's really funny and I learned a lot more about the law. And that is that, um, wow, there are no rules. The rules are there are no rules. It's like Fight Club, so don't talk about this um, podcast ever, please. And uh, listen to Catalina Stars. Uh, be a, a patron at Patreon with Catalina Stars. Pick up the magazine, and thank you. And look for us at Press Reader. And, um, okay, uh, wear a mask. Or don't go out. Bye. <laughs>